1: most people are down the road and there's sort of uh, maybe 100 houses, maybe a little bit less
2: than that. This summer I spent some time in a remote town along the coast of Canada, about 300 miles northwest of Vancouver. It's called Ocean Falls. It used to be a paper mill town. And so these are this was part of the paper mill facility, the blue building that you guys are in. That was Yeah, this well. was
1: so this was all buildings here, and most of them were torn down about 10 years ago. The mill's just downstream uh, from a dam that was built
2: that in the there. early that's 1900s. The, the Ocean Falls is surrounded by steep hills covered in thick forest, and it sits on a deep bay that empties out into the Pacific Ocean.
3: Ocean Falls had been a town of about 5,000 people until the mill shut down. Now it's less than 100. It's almost a ghost town.
1: That's where the wood would come down, and then it would be, uh, there are the big grinders
2: in there that would grind the wood up into... With the mill gone... Ocean Falls began looking for some new business, anything to keep the community alive. Its latest hope comes from Kevin Day. Kevin's a tech guy from Vancouver, and he's the one showing me around here.
1: And uh, I do you need to get you to wear a hard hat? Correct. Sure. It's, uh, it's uh, Borlex rules.
3: Boralex is the private utility company that operates the dam in Ocean Falls. But Kevin doesn't work there. He's actually Boralex's new customer.
2: Is that sound you guys? Yes. Yes. That humming you hear? It's the sound of hundreds of fans blowing past hundreds of little computers. They're on 24 hours a day, cranking through complicated math problems, making bitcoins.
3: I'm Pierre Gaetari.
2: And I'm Joshua Brewstein.
3: And this week on Decrypted, we're bringing you the story of Ocean Falls, a town on a multi-decade search for a savior that thought it might have found one when a Bitcoin mine came to town. This is the first episode of our new season, where for the next four months, we'll be exploring the unintended consequences of technology.
2: The biggest problem for Ocean Falls was its isolation. It was just too much trouble to bring workers there and too expensive to ship goods out. But those things don't matter much for Bitcoin miners. All they're looking for is cold weather to keep their computers cool, and enough electricity to keep them running. Ocean Falls has both.
3: But if a town is good for Bitcoin mining, does that mean Bitcoin mining is good for the town? And while it may have seemed promising when prices were soaring, what happens now that they've crashed?
2: Stay with us. I first heard about Ocean Falls in January. I was talking to a businessman in Toronto who invested in cryptocurrency businesses. And he mentioned that Bitcoin miners have been taking an interest in old mill sites in British Columbia. That immediately caught my attention.
3: The Bitcoin gold rush was all over the news. Bitcoin soars past $13,000 for the first time.
2: It's up and it's up big today. It's
1: up about 24% since 9.30 this morning, New York time, 6.30 our time. I think that we're going to see 50000 uh, by the end of 2018 for Bitcoin.
4: That's strong.
2: It's easy to think of Bitcoin as something that's happening just online. In fact, the price run-up had set off a global race to find actual physical places that are well-suited for the data centers needed to create new Bitcoins through a process known as mining.
3: And here was a place where the crypto rush felt like an actual gold rush.
2: So I asked for an introduction to Kevin. He agreed to talk to me, and I began checking in with him every once in a while as he traveled between Vancouver and Ocean Falls over the course of this year. Finally, in July, I headed up there myself with Jackie Dives, a photographer based in Vancouver.
3: And it's a trek, because there's no road to get there.
2: Yeah, from Vancouver, I took two little hops in a 20-person plane to Bella Bella, which is the closest town with an airport. Then... I hitched a ride from people boating in to work at a local salmon hatchery.
3: That's the only other real business in town.
2: The boat moves through narrow channels between the mountains and then opens up into this big bay and there you are. It's unbelievably beautiful. When we got to town, Kevin was walking up to pick us up at the dock. I wonder if this is Kevin here. Kevin is an athletic guy, he's in his mid 40s. Hey Kevin. Good, how are you? Kevin says he's most comfortable when sitting in front of a computer, and he's run a handful of startups in and around Vancouver. He used to run a business selling ringtones back when that was a thing, and then he had a business that had to do with insurance. Kevin had first heard about Ocean Falls in 2010 when he saw a TV documentary about it. He actually suggested to a friend of his in the hotel business that it might be a cool place to set up a resort, but nothing ever came of that. Then Kevin started getting interested in Bitcoin in about 2012 and 2013. Over time, Kevin became fixated on building his own Bitcoin mine. That's when he remembered Ocean Falls.
3: Ocean Falls has this nostalgic vibe of a pioneer town in decline. At least, that's how it came off in a newscast you showed me from 1981. The good old bad old days in Ocean Falls. Today they're remembered with
4: fond regret by the last survivors of a very special kind of town.
2: Today, most of the residents are older. They have a really romantic view of the place. Like here's Tony Ziganash, who runs the small boarding house where I stayed when I was there.
4: Every time we come around the corner into Ocean Falls, I always think this is as close to paradise as, as it gets.
3: Still, it takes a certain type of person to live there. It may be beautiful, but it's so remote.
2: People in Ocean Falls put up with his challenges because they seem to relish the sense of removal from the outside world.
3: But not Kevin.
2: No, he immediately saw the town as the setting for his own kind of secret technological retreat, like the ones he daydreamed about when watching television as a kid.
1: I always loved this idea of, like, uh... Sort of this high tech sort of lair kind of in the middle of sort of nowhere. Maybe it's sort of because I was a big fan of like James Bond movies or something like that where they had sort of these guys that were, had these empires.
3: Kevin's not the first businessman to fall in love with Ocean Falls. There's been a steady stream of proposals. The first one happened soon after the mill closed when a businessman bought many of the biggest buildings in town, hoping to convert them into a resort and casino for people traveling up the coast on cruise ships.
2: There have also been plans to brew beer grow marijuana and bottle water. At one point, it looked like Ocean Falls would be the setting for an action movie starring Al Pacino and Hilary Swank. My personal favorite was a plan in the 1980s to fill tankers up with water and ship it wholesale to California or even Saudi Arabia.
3: Needless to say, all of those plans have fallen flat, with the one exception of the fish farming company whose employees gave you a ride.
2: Any business plan for Ocean Falls eventually ends up in front of Brent Case. He's the operation manager for Boralex in British Columbia. I had talked to Brent before flying up to Ocean Falls, and he spotted me and Jackie when we got off the plane. He walked over to introduce himself once we landed in Bella Bella. Yeah, really late Are you guys going to Ocean
5: Falls? Yeah. yeah. Brent. Hey, Brent. Josh. <laughs> we talked on the phone.
2: Brent's basically Kevin's opposite. It can be hard sometimes to get Kevin to talk much, but Brent would talk all day if you didn't interrupt him. Kevin likes the city. Brent describes himself as a bush person. And he loves to regale people with stories about ravens or mountain lions or bears that he's interacted with over the years.
3: Brent has spent decades up and down this coast in the small towns and the woods in between them. He first came to Ocean Falls in the mid-80s when he was helping string a transmission line from the power plant at the dam to a few of the neighboring towns.
2: He's now something of a local celebrity. He bought the biggest house notion falls and has poured a lot of time and money into fixing it up. His star rose even more after he survived a grizzly bear attack.
5: I was just finishing up my engineering. I was heading back to the truck when he uh, jumped me on, on my arm and ripped the elbow. He bit me on both arms and then ripped the scalp from here right over the head. If, did you Google Did you Google Google? Yeah, yeah
2: I so, saw the news report. Yeah, so I did a, a show with Animal Planet. That incident with the bear inspired a wave of local and even international media coverage.
3: Then, around 2014, Brent's phone suddenly started ringing off the hook in a way it never had before.
2: The people were calling in search of places to set up Bitcoin mines.
3: Bitcoin mining was becoming increasingly lucrative as the price soared especially if you can find a place like Ocean Falls, where the cost of power is extremely cheap. A large proportion of Bitcoin mining was happening in China. But for many prospective miners, the idea of doing business in Canada was much more attractive.
5: You know, I'm getting uh, companies from Texas, New Jersey, California, Washington State.
2: Of course, Brenton know the first thing about Bitcoin.
5: One, uh, One company from Australia, I mean... One from Argentina. I mean, it's and it
2: didn't take him long to realize that most of the people calling him had no clue how to pull off what they were proposing.
5: A lot of the blockchain uh, people and uh, Bitcoin people and you name it, they think they can uh, come in and do a project without, uh, you know, doing their homework. A lot of speculation.
2: But Brent also saw himself as Ocean Falls' main booster. He knew that the longer the town went on in its semi-dormant state, the bigger the chance was that it would never recover.
3: And after seeing so many other business ideas fall flat, Brent thought these clueless people blowing up his phone to talk about some esoteric technology trend might be worth taking a flyer on.
2: The first night we were in Ocean Falls, Jackie and I walked up to Kevin's home to meet with Kevin, Brent, and one of Brent's colleagues, a guy named Alistair Howard.
3: This is the house you mentioned earlier, the one that Brent had fixed up. Kevin recently bought it from him.
2: Yeah, it's a really odd place. Once you get inside the house, it feels like a suburban home. There's new floors, a nice kitchen, even a huge flat-screen TV. But to get there, Jack and I walked down a street where most of the other buildings were basically just rubble. And then we bushwhacked our way up a steep trail through some brush to get to the door. Is that like little deer path really the way we're supposed to get here? Uh, could be. I've never had anyone actually come through the front door before. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Even with Kevin sitting there, so I guess Brent and Alistair were pretty open about how skeptical they were of him at first. Here again is one another one of these, I thought harebrained ideas.
5: <laughs> so, uh,
2: what did we did? We
5: meet in Vancouver
3: first. I think we met in Vancouver.
2: Kevin definitely didn't change Brent's mind by coming off like someone who knew what he was talking about when he first called in late two thousand and fifteen.
3: Kevin didn't know much about electricity. He knew nothing about dams.
2: And he had no experience navigating the shipping channels that run up and down the sparsely populated parts of Canada's west coast.
3: But Kevin was asking the right questions. And Brent was looking for someone, anyone really, to get excited about. Kevin would do.
0: The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th,
2: With his foot finally in the door, Kevin developed a pretty simple strategy. He just asked Brent for help with everything.
1: A lot of the challenges that you, you face here are not <clears throat> things that you can just sort of solve like on your own by, you know, just doing a Google search and like, well, how do I get this in here or do that? It's all sort of like, oh, you know, like Brent knows a guy for everything, right? So if there's a problem, it's like, I know a guy who could do this. I know someone who could get this in here. I know who could
2: do this. So This was really clever on Kevin's part, I think. He took Brent's enthusiasm about the town and used it to turn him into a kind of spokesperson within Borlax for Kevin's company, which he named Ocean Falls Blockchain.
3: It didn't hurt that Bitcoin just kept getting more and more exciting. The price rose from about $400 in late 2015 when Kevin started making his first inquiries with Ocean Falls. A year later, the price would be closing in on $1,000.
2: Kevin wasn't the only person calling Brent, but most people would call him once realize how hard this would be, and disappear. Some might call a few times before fading away. But Alistair remembers how Kevin just never stopped dialing the phone. I just
5: remember so many times you would tell me, Kevin's calling again. and I'm like, again?
2: <laughs> In fact, Kevin became so persistent that he turned into something of a myth inside the company. At a certain point, Kevin went to Toronto and cold-called Patrick Lemaire, the president of Borlax, to ask for a meeting. And Patrick already knew who he was. When I sat down
1: with them and he said, like, I said, well, I, I think we're really going to move ahead on this project. And he said, OK, well, I, that's why I want to meet with you, because I want to see if you're like a real person. on i have been hearing about your name all this time, but it's, nothing's ever happened. It's been two years. So are you real? Is this really going to happen? I said, yeah. That's
2: really and me to Patrick had a decision to make. Should he agree to sell cheap electricity to Kevin? The Bitcoin mine might work out well as a business but it was unlikely to make much of a difference to Boralax. Kevin's plans were to make just under $6 million in revenue in 2018. Boralax's annual revenue is about $350 million.
3: But the utility didn't have a lot of other options for Ocean Falls. Boralax is only using two of the dam's four turbines, because there would be nowhere else to send the electricity they'd produce.
2: So Kevin secured his deal to buy hydroelectric power from Boralax at a heavily discounted rate.
3: This was basically an incentive to get him to set up his business in a place that would otherwise not make much sense.
2: Neither Kevin nor Brent wanted to discuss the specific price. That's probably because it's so low. According to a presentation Kevin showed investors in February, it was less than four cents per kilowatt hour. That's less than half the rate Borlax charged to ship power to Bella Bella, even back in 1986. The rate's so low that the head of another Bitcoin mining operation in the area, described it as almost free.
3: The power from the Ocean Falls dam had another advantage. Bitcoin miners are coming up for increasing criticism for burning through massive amounts of energy just as the world is trying to fight climate change. But hydroelectricity doesn't create carbon emissions. And this power literally had no other use.
2: Now, all Kevin had to do was figure out how to get hundreds and eventually thousands of computers from China along with heavy equipment to power them, all the way to Ocean Falls. Uh, we brought them into Vancouver, and then we
1: trucked them up from there. There's a truck road somewhere if you need it. No, there's no road into Ocean Falls. Uh, um, you, you can come in on the, on the ferry, which is what we did. It's kind of a full-day thing, as, as I mentioned before. You know, We loaded them onto the, the truck at the
5: airport.
3: And then set the operation up in an old paper mill that had been falling apart for decades.
2: But he did it. Finally... This July, Kevin flipped on the first few servers.
3: Kevin's Bitcoin mine has been reverberating through Ocean Falls ever since Kevin first came to town. And not just because you can hear the humming of the fans far away from the building.
2: I kind of assumed the cryptocurrency boom would have passed Ocean Falls by completely. But that wasn't really true. One day, Kevin and I visited one of the only public businesses in town. It's a local bar. It's open every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. It gets packed. And the guy sitting next to me said he had a friend who was mining cryptocurrencies in Asia.
3: Still, a lot of people didn't really seem to know what it was.
2: Yeah, even like my granddaughters understand it. Yeah. Not me.
5: No. It'll take it's a while. A, it's a new technology. Yeah. And as you get older, you don't. at least I don't pick up on it very fast.
1: Well, I mean, you gotta, it's got to be something you're interested in, too. You yeah. Know? Like yeah. right now, especially now, because it's very techy right now. It's just like the Internet was in the early 90s. Yeah. yeah. It was there, but it was really techy, you know. But it in
5: 1966, until... I took computer programming.
1: Yeah, oh, right on. So yeah. that was like uh, like Fortran kind of yep,
5: stuff? Fortran. Fortran. Yeah,
1: right yeah.
3: on. For now, many residents are hopeful that the Bitcoin mine will help turn things around. Kevin's construction work did provide a handful of jobs, but those went to crews that came in on boats from the Vancouver area.
2: That's been good for Tony, the woman who runs the boarding house. But she frames the main impact as more psychological than economic.
3: It
4: always puts that air of positivity in, in, into the mix. And that makes a big difference. We have a very aging population here. And when I say aging, I mean 70 and, and up. So there's not a lot of energy, not a lot of enthusiasm for anything new to tell you the truth. So I just would like to
2: attract some younger people to come in. There is a post office and a government-run ferry stop in town. But Ocean Falls doesn't have enough people to support any private businesses, except for the bar, really. If you can believe it, there isn't even a grocery store in Ocean Falls. Right now we're barging in all of our groceries from Port Hardy.
4: It's a two-week process to get the from the time you order
2: your groceries to the time you get them here. Kevin's business isn't changing that. For now, it's too small. He's currently using under a megawatt of power at Ocean Falls. Big Bitcoin mining operations are measured in the dozens or hundreds of megawatts.
3: But even if Kevin's business does take off and gets bigger, it's not clear that its impact on Ocean Falls will grow. Here's Tony again. If Ocean
4: Falls becomes, in the meantime, more recognizable to outsiders who see it as a place to come that's viable. It may be just that springboard that they need you know to come in and and it can perpetuate after that. So do I see blockchain as being the... I think once it's up and running it's probably not going to have a lot of people that are needed. They haven't said but I don't know how many people does it take to keep a bunch of computers running, probably not more than just a couple, and maybe they don't even have to be here full-time.
3: This is something of a pattern. Governments in other places that have attracted attention from Bitcoin miners have been frustrated once they realize how little chance there is for anything resembling real economic development.
2: This isn't just a Bitcoin problem. A Bitcoin mine is basically just a data center. And companies that run data centers for other purposes have also offered mixed benefits for the out-of-the-way locations they've set up in.
3: Another version of the story have been the places where a defunct shopping mall, let's say, will be filled with computer servers. And buildings that used to house dozens or hundreds of retail jobs have become places where wealth is generated for people living elsewhere, while offering basically no employment opportunities for the locals.
2: Now, to be fair to Kevin, he didn't promise to create lots of local jobs.
3: But he did have plans to expand.
2: Yeah, he said he wanted to grow the size of his existing mine and even to get into other types of businesses. Like he wants to use the heat from the computers to warm up the water in the fish hatchery or to develop novel technology for cooling computer servers that he could presumably sell to other businesses.
3: He's also talked about using the paper mill as a kind of working retreat for coders working on cryptocurrency projects.
2: Now that might be pleasant, but it's not clear how likely it is to happen Some of these ideas might work out and bring new life to Ocean Falls. But Kevin's got lots to worry about before then.
3: Throughout 2017, there was this incredible run-up in the price of Bitcoin. It surpassed $19,000 at the end of last year. This year has been brutal, though. The cryptocurrency is now sinking below 8,000 and down more than 6% in the last week. And it's getting technical analysts spooked that maybe Bitcoin has further to fall than we've even seen this
2: week.
4: Or are people going to become very fearful and you're going to see even further liquidation as people begin to understand that the bloom is off the rose?
3: As of this taping, the price of Bitcoin is around $6,400. Last year, a handful of Bitcoin mining companies had raised money by going public on Canada's junior stock exchanges. Ocean Falls blockchain had plans to do the same thing.
2: And that presentation that Kevin showed investors in February, it based its financial projections on Bitcoin being worth $11,000. Back in April, when the price had fallen to about $8,900, I asked Kevin whether he was worried. At the time, he shrugged it off.
1: You know, like Warren Buffett doesn't look at stock prices every day. You know, he he looks at the long-term sort of uh, picture of of where potential for companies. Looking at someone like that as an example, you know, he expands his business when, you know, people aren't interested in certain companies, but he sees the longer-term potential.
3: But it's clear that the price of Bitcoin has impacted his plans. Kevin's company decided against going public because the interest in businesses like his had largely dried up.
2: He says this shouldn't be a problem and he'll find money elsewhere as he needs it.
3: But investors know that there's a point at which it would become unprofitable to keep mining Bitcoin. Mosaic, a research firm focused on the cryptocurrency industry, puts that price at $5,000 on average.
2: I asked Kevin if there was a low price at which it wouldn't be profitable for him to mine Bitcoin anymore. He said he didn't have one in mind. And instead, he offered an optimistic rationale for how dropping prices might actually be a good thing for him.
3: Here's the thought process. New bitcoins are doled out regularly. The more miners there are competing for them, the fewer bitcoins each miner gets for the same amount of work. If the price drops low enough that some people turn off their computers, the remaining miners will have an easier time. Their profits rise even if the price doesn't. So in theory, this helps the entire system constantly find the right equilibrium.
2: And Kevin thinks he can power through the lean times when weaker businesses will have to drop out.
1: It's good for everybody when the price goes up, but from a competition standpoint, it actually helps uh, uh, separate us a little bit because, you know, again, efficiency is our big thing.
2: Before leaving Ocean Falls, I discovered that Kevin's dealing with a second complication to his business plan. Even though he's won Brent over, Borlax isn't actually selling Kevin as much power as he was hoping for. His initial plans called for them to sell him six megawatts of power by the end of this year. He's not going to get anywhere close to that. And that's because Borlax is facing questions about the economics of operating the dam in Ocean Falls. Situation's complicated, but it involves the rate that Borlax charges to sell power to the town of Bella Bella.
3: We said earlier, the rate is far higher than what Kevin's business pays. Borlax is currently having a dispute with BC Hydro. That's the public utility in the area that buys the power headed for Bella Bella. And until that is settled... Borelax doesn't want to commit to selling Kevin the amount of power that would allow him to grow Ocean Falls blockchain.
2: Now, as we said, Borelax is giving Kevin a steep subsidy for power because it needs an incentive to get him to come to Ocean Falls. But one upshot of the negotiation with BC Hydro could be that regulators require Borelax to charge Kevin much more. You
1: know, you do your best to sort of navigate sort of those those, those political type of, of waters but at the end of the day it's not something we have you know uh, we don't make the final say and things like that.
3: This speaks to a bigger question facing utility companies, especially utilities that have facilities in remote places like Northwestern Canada. What is their policy on cryptocurrencies?
2: In Quebec, regulators want to increase the rate that miners pay for power
1: I think right now you're seeing it all over the place. you look at what's happening in places like Washington State where there are a lot of miners on the on the Columbia River there and um, you know, there's a lot of. We're there. There's a lot of pushback uh, from from the government and from other businesses and that type of thing. And
3: so that gets us back to this original question of what the public gets out of having a Bitcoin mine in town. Right. In
2: a place like Ocean Falls, the utility seems to have a clear incentive to bring a new customer in. It has this power. It can't sell it. And here's someone who's willing to buy it. So that's just good. But what if there's other people who want to buy the power too?
3: And that's a question that many utilities, many small towns uh, in other places are facing.
2: Right. And once you've decided we're going to sell this power to a data center because there's some sort of economic benefit, there really is a question of what the benefit is. These places don't employ people. It's not clear why another business would have to set up nearby. And you may just end up having an uh, energy consumer and nothing else.
3: Right. There's no need for dependent businesses like restaurants or hotels to spring up. Um, And it's a pertinent question now that towns are falling over themselves to offer incentives to tech companies that are promising to bring investment.
2: And there is one Bitcoin-specific question that we should deal with here, too, as well, though. I think most people think that Amazon's data centers or whatever are going to definitely be around in a couple of years. But there's a question about whether or not a Bitcoin mine would be around in a couple of years. This is a really volatile asset It's a speculative business. And it's not clear if selling your energy to a company like Kevin's is going to be any good for you in two or three years down the road.
3: And is that something you asked Kevin about?
2: Yeah, I did. He is an optimistic guy and said that, of course, it would be bad if Bitcoin went to zero. But no one thinks that's going to happen. And he's in it for the long haul.
1: It took a long time to a lot of work to set this up, you know. I don't, I don't want to build another substation somewhere else. <laughs> like this is, you know, I want to start running the business now. You know, obviously if uh, Bitcoin collapsed and when it became nothing, obviously that's not going to be good for us. It's not going to be good for, for anybody. But I think that that's, uh, I think everybody agrees that that's, that's very un- unlikely. It, but it's good. At the same time, you know, we believe it's it's going to do very well in the long term, but it's not going to be a straight line and it's going to go up and it's going
2: to go way down. And he's taking Ocean Falls along for the ride
5: of a century It made its place in history And it will never be In that same old ocean falls But it still lives In every son and daughter That's been in the Martin Inn People are gone But the spirit lives on And I was born right here In this very spot You can see the pride in their eyes I remember this, Do you remember that The year the school caught fire
3: And that's it for this week's Decrypted. Thanks for listening.
2: We always want to know what you think of the show. You can get in touch by emailing decrypted at Bloomberg.net. Or I'm on Twitter at Joshua Brewstein,
3: And I'm at Pia Gadkari. Please subscribe to our show wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you haven't already, please leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us find new listeners.
2: This episode was produced by Pia Gadkari and Magnus Hendrickson with help from Austin Weinstein. Our story editor was Emily Buso. Thanks to Big Jim Lewis for letting us use his song about Ocean Falls in this episode. I also wrote an article about Kevin and Brent. You can read it at bloomberg.com tech. And thanks to Robin Agello, my editor on that story. Francesca Levy is head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you next week.